Welcome back to the Wolf of Queen Street podcast series. Welcome back to the audio podcast or the YouTube series you joined us today. Today, I'm joined by Lucas Mattiello, a certified coach that helps entrepreneurs to control public speaking anxiety and panic attacks. Now, to any entrepreneur that has got a startup business and over time has taken that to, taken that to success, will realize there are moments where they have to speak to people, speak on stage, we speak in large groups, and most of us are not trained have the emotional state to handle it. And Lucas is the guy to take us through to that next level to be able to stand there as a TEDx, uh, TEDx speaking coach to take us to that next level to say, this is how you do it, so you do it correctly. And this isn't how you don't freak the fuck out on stage in front of all those people and lose it for your brand. But anyway, Lucas, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me here, Lawrence. This is awesome. It's great. Uh, we're just, I was chatting to, as always, I chat to my guests before we get on to air and, and we get started. And it's funny enough uh, with myself and Lucas, we've been talking for like the last 10 minutes. We said, we've got to get on the show. Otherwise, we'll talk for about two hours and we'll never get onto the actual show because we're having an interesting discussion of, obviously, Lucas's business is teaching people um, how to get up on stage, overcoming stress, anxiety in those situations and certain, certain triggers um, that we're part of your product and what you do it but you do that all face to face at live events now obviously to everyone in the world right now uh, even when this episode comes out in over the next few days we're all in sort of lockdown the world's in an unfortunate pandemic we're in an unknown situation and environment uh, a lot of natural stress and anxiety with it and i was talking to lucas going you know how's how's the business doing you know and how how we're handling because your business is obviously face to face and it's interesting times. Interesting, for sure. Yeah. Definitely disruptive. Everything's happening right now. Mm -hmm. So um, with your business, obviously, you're teaching people how to overcome it and anxiety and stress. There has to be a backstory to it. You don't, you don't go into that space of anxiety and stress speaking in front of a crowd unless you've had your own experience of stress and anxiety in that. There must be something behind there. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it's actually had a sales call uh, two days ago, which is funny. I'm sitting there going like, who the hell still wants a sales call right now for public speaking? Because all the events are canceled. Yeah. Uh, my, my, the hotel is shut down until the end of May. I'm like, all right. So I get on the call with this guy and he asked me that same question. He goes, look, I got to ask, how did you get into this? And I, I said, look, there's no masters of public speaking. Out there. There's mm -hmm. no program you can go to. And I had struggled with panic attacks and anxiety. Uh, when I was 14, I was in high school wrestling, and I just started to feel, in a match, I felt like I was going to die. I thought I was having a heart attack. I didn't know what was happening. And this continued on, and and I was afraid, though. So that's a big piece. I was ashamed to let other people know. And so I struggled with the anxiety and the panic attack for 15 years, just hiding yep. it, um, really coming from a place of deep shame. And it just got worse. And so actually, a job layoff in 2010 had me, I, I lost, I felt like I lost my purpose and my identity, mm -hmm. which I'd be curious if a lot of people are going to be going through that right now. Pretty much. Yeah. Where it's like as a provider, you know, maybe to the family or my role of who I am and how I show up. And so when I lost that, it got really bad, my panic attacks, anxiety, and I ended up in the mental hospital and uh, in 20, 2010, mm -hmm. and I entered a stress management recovery program, got diagnosed with panic disorder and started this journey to overcome my own personal uh, challenges with the anxiety and the panic attacks. It's, it is so true what you're saying at the moment of with 2010, that situation that you found yourself in going to, and that today, right now, at this moment, 
likely a percentage of all the world will be going through that. There's so much um, uncertainty and unknown. There's so much financial, literally, you can't burn the amount of money that the governments and uh, stock exchange and businesses are losing on a daily basis that we are going to see people as well in the business world or in, in the normal world that is just going to be at that X level for their stress and anxiety. And then it, unfortunately, it doesn't help in a moment where you need that strength for a brand. So any business that is actually open at the moment or that can function almost need, needs to be at their best time or their best view publicly because you have people that are very – uh, problematic or vulnerable and stress and you want to be able to give the best brand across and I've seen so many businesses over the last week just not put their right foot forward and literally half their customer base just turned around and went sorry we've seen your true colors now and this this is not for us we you know we've got a we're going to step away and we're going to go somewhere else and it is it is so hard for um, businesses are running and also like I said um, perception of and at the moment no, I'm seeing that. Actually, I, was, I just popped on Facebook quickly this morning and I saw somebody uh, kind of ranting about businesses that are advertising still and saying, you know, make 2020 your best year ever. And, and it's the ad copy that was from, you know, yeah. a month, two yeah. months ago. And it's like, you know, this is really kind of coming across tone deaf where you're there saying, you know, let's, let's crush it this year. It's like, look, people are just trying to survive right now. Yeah. And so I think as a business, like you mentioned, Lawrence, it's, get your messaging dialed in for the current situation, which is help people, you know, get, find something that they can ground in, get some degree of certainty right now. So with, with that, with the certainty and building in and taking back to, you know, you're coaching people to get on stage. Mm -hmm. What is the sort of the, the normal flow that, that comes towards you, the people? So people reach out, you say you do it at a face-to-face -face event at a hotel. Unfortunately, due to the situations, you can't do that. Yeah. And, are you taking sort of top executive CEOs to get on stage? Are you taking the small business owner that might want to speak to his team or sort of five to 10 or 20 people? What's the sort of journey across that with yourself and the coaching? Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting is right now I'm working with both. Mm -hmm. I do have executives that come in that want to improve their leadership mm -hmm. and then entrepreneurs, but moving forward, I only want to work with entrepreneurs because I understand where they are. Mm -hmm. I understand their position and the, the difference too. I mean, sometimes you get these executives in there and they're like, look, how, do, how can I like this material? I'm like, well, do you, do you believe in what you say? And they're like, no, I'm just somebody, paid. <laughs> so, yeah. Somebody hands off this script yep. and goes, say these words at this event. Yep. And, 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 and I understand they're in a tough spot. Cause like you're being paid to represent your company. This is the, the approved message for you to share. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, my whole thing is about authenticity and speak from your heart. Yeah. And there's a disconnect. And after that, I was like, you know what? No, entrepreneurs, because my whole thing is let the small guys either, well, first of all, win mm -hmm. because we're in a new era right now. This is the exposure era. And two, I want them to be able to play with the big brands. Uh, I, I saw you mentioned you overtook uh, Gary V in the <laughs> Philippines <laughs> podcast, which I love that. And, you know, and, and, and that's his, that's his whole thing. It's about play like the big guys. And, and yeah. the thing is, in today's world, you just need this to get yeah. your message. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with that, you know, and, and I'm putting it out there. And, uh, and it's good to hear that you say that you want to, 
you want to go to the entrepreneurs because fundamentally they know the business, they support it, and they're the ones that will speak truthfully for, for it. And it is in the world we get today, especially in a lot of the corporations, that a person standing in front of a business might not necessarily speak for what is best, but he's going to speak what is best for his shareholders or best for what it is that they're trying to achieve that week. And therefore, it might not relate, be relatable to the person that's sitting in the crowd. Um, and that's why the the best speeches, the best TEDx speeches, or the best random one person speeches you get on YouTube or anywhere else there is a person that's been able to speak up and say what he wants to say, and he's not been fucking filtered by society or the business, right? So you get guys going up like the Hollywood actors. Um, Denzel Washington, for example, goes up and he does usually quite an amazing speech and he does it. But he says what he wants to say. There's, even at his level, no one is filtering him. He's not allowing it, and it's and it's great to see that. It's I see and and I love that I'm a huge Denzel Washington fan and and the thing is that he has that I mean he's got that fuck you money mm-hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> if he if he doesn't get it I, I'm assuming he does I don't yeah. know that for sure but actually Dave Chappelle yeah uh, one of my favorite comedians he has a uh, he lives on a huge farm in Ohio mm-hmm. and I was watching when he got his first contract he bought that. And he calls it his fuck you farm. And I love this concept. He goes, I'm, I'm self-sufficient. I have this farm. And that was what allowed him to have the ability to speak his truth. And then that launched the Chappelle show, which was yeah. a, a authentic, uh, he, he wasn't restricted. It was freedom. And then the whole fiasco came with the contract. And then he, you know, he, he, the pressure came And But his whole thing was that the execs were trying to push him into putting out episodes that he's like, this isn't funny. But yeah. they're like, well, we paid you a lot of money. And it's this selling of your soul. But when you have that, so maybe you don't have that fuck you farm or the fuck yeah. you money. But the other piece too is I just, I think in this world, it's we're looking for people that polarize and speak their truth. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's, that's where people just resonate to it. When someone comes out and actually speaks it, no matter what level of life they're in, uh, and that the, the videos go viral or the audios go viral or anything like that. You just, you look at um, some of the top, um, Eric, the what's it? Eric Thomas. He's yes. one of the most one of the most famous guys. I love Eric Thomas. Um, that comes out, um, and the way he speaks and speaks the truth, right? Um, and it's just amazing. Now, in the business and in what you guys or in what yourself is offering is obviously there's a lot of guys that want to speak and stuff. They would go to something like Toastmasters. Toastmasters is throughout the world and it's everywhere, and people do it. What is in the sense of what is your opinion on Toastmasters? Because I've got an opinion on it because I've had a few friends that have actually gone through it. And then what is the next, how would you believe what you are offering for people would be better? Because I'm sure and I'm assuming your service is way better than Toastmasters. Yeah, I like to say that what we do is uh, it's Toastmasters with no USADA around. Uh, we're on steroids. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if your listeners are, are MMA fans, they'll get it. Yeah, we're, we're, we're juice to the gills. Yeah. Uh, you know what it the toastmasters is it's a valuable service okay mm-hmm. i've been to, i've been to their events it, it, it's a low cost place for you to go and get some exposure yep. now the, the the challenges that come up is for that it's it's peer led so there's no trainer giving you know expert feedback mm-hmm. to the to the individuals it's like you go up there and they track your ums and ahs they have the person writing down the notes and they say and, and so that's a metric that yep. i don't feel is is of success because in the mindset, I have a lot of clients. I have clients that are distinguished Toastmasters. They come in to or speak with confidence and they get rolled because 
it, their whole metric has been about polished. It comes across mm. a bit robotic yeah. and like, well, I didn't say any ums and ums. I'm like, but there's no soul. There's, yep, no, there's no feeling. Yeah. It's like you check the boxes, but you didn't check the box that matters, which is, do I connect with you? Do I like you? I, I totally relate to that. When I started the podcast over a year ago, uh, my first few episodes, I actually counted and traced my ums and ahs. And I went into it and tried to improve it. And I've got into the time now where I can do an episode and I would have maybe in an hour or less than 10 ums and ahs moments. To me, an um and ah moment is when I'm actually thinking to respond, not that I don't know. So there's two levels to it. And I'm sure, Lucas, you'll be aware of this. Some people go um because they don't know. Some people go um because they're thinking. So the, to me, it was a thought pattern. So I've had to teach myself think quietly. But then I went one day I was sitting at home and again I was watching Dwayne The Rock Johnson biggest superstar one of the biggest superstars in the world at the moment that dude can't speak for shit right he's one of the best um, out there going and every third or fourth word was um, uh, um and I'm like motherfucker I'm yeah. sitting here telling myself I've got to do this and this guy's standing on the world stage and speaking the way he wants to speak and speaking the truth and I'm like stuff that I'm not going to worry about being so pedantic and making sure that my moments are not that my moments are clear, but I don't have those catching words or those words that a lot of people would say, you've got to clean up to have your speech better. Yeah. And, and, and you know, that's consistent. People come in and, and that's one of, the, one of the, the most sought after things people want when they come into a training program. Yep. They go, I want to eliminate ums and ahs. To eliminate that, it's very simple. You're absolutely right. There's those two pieces you mentioned, the thinking and, and the, the, but it's just about pausing. Yeah. If a person becomes comfortable with silence, and that's really the key there, it's mm. become comfortable with silence and being seen because often a person's, when they're nervous, they're just trying to speed through it yep. and put all the words to get out of there. Instead, you need to switch it and go, this is my time. I can pause. And when you pause and you breathe, Mm -hmm. Then the nas get eliminated, and your your engagement skyrockets. It totally does, especially if you're producing content that leads to thought and content that's provoking and the rest. The worst of all is to get up on stage. And uh, Gary V, we spoke. I used to mention Gary V earlier. Gary V is one of the best in that. So he'll go talk, 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 truth bomb, fucking pause, and he'll wait for that like light bulb moment and turn around and I told you right. And, and, and he's the best in that sort of space at the moment in, in our game. And to, to hold it and allow people to think about it and then go, oh, yeah, I see that now. And then you keep on the discussions. And he actually, because I've, I've seen him multiple times live um, in New Zealand. And what I see from it, he actually waits. He has his overall script that he's going to go with. He's very unscripted, though. That's just Gary Vee. But he also feeds off the crowd at that moment. So if he has a moment that we drop in a silence, and instead of being two seconds, he feels that the crowd needs five seconds or seven seconds. He'll, leave, he'll wait. He won't rush to continue on. He'll wait in that moment to make sure that the, the vibe to the crowd and the speech that he's trying to get across on the point is actually landed. Well, you're absolutely right. And there's, there's levels to public speaking. And at the top level, it is around mastery. And mastery is where you're able, you're, you're your basic fundamentals and your foundations are there. You've done it so much that that's, that's on autopilot. Mm -hmm. And at that level, you're actually, you're able to feel into the room and you're able to feel what's landing, what's not, what's, what's, uh, you know, what needs to be said. And when you do that, that's when you're able to actually control the audience. So Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, Tony Robbins is an absolute yeah. master of that as well Is they feel into the room, 
but that's a skill that there needs a whole foundation yeah, to get them. That, that, that's years and years. I mean, that's very much similar to uh, the comedian route, right? He said, Dave Chappelle, I'm a big Joe Rogan fan. He's fundamentally he's one of the main reasons why I started a podcast. And following them and listening to them talk, it's about using their content. So to most people out there that don't follow, mate, they don't follow a lot of comedians in depth, won't realize that um, I was watching uh, Bert Kreischer. I was watching Netflix, Bert Kreischer's Netflix special here the other night. It's funny because I watched Bert Kreischer a year ago when he started his new tour. So most comedians would do a tour, a one-year tour, and at the end of the tour, if they're big enough, they'll get a Netflix special or get an HBO special or whatever. But through that whole year, they're doing about 70, 60 to 70% of what the set is that is at the end that's on the special, and they're testing it out, and they're trying content, they're trying jokes. And Bert, if anyone knows Bert Crusher, he just doesn't give a shit. And when he did the one year, he actually pulled out a piece of paper, and he goes, I'm going to try this out. I've never tried them out, and he's, he was like a real unprofessional, but that's just Bert, and he goes, oh, here's a joke. Does it work? No, nah, okay, scratch off. Here's my next joke. Does it work? Oh, yeah, you guys like that? Cool. I'll add that in. And, and it was funny to see it because that journey of how they get to their final uh, you know, one-hour uh, Netflix special, the special that they do, is similar to the journey that a lot of people would have been on stage and speaking. And you'd be able to uh, confirm this with uh, Lucas, is that there's your first couple, and hopefully in front of smaller groups, is where you're going to be doing the learning and evolving to get to a finish polished product. Absolutely. You have to prove it to yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to prove it to yourself that you can. In the beginning, it's it's very binary. It's either you get up there or you don't. Yeah. And either say yes, the opportunity or the fear wins. And that's okay. But I feel that's a piece that a person needs to be honest with themselves because it's very easy, especially a lot of my entrepreneurs that have teams or executives or classic for this. They'll, they'll Oh, uh, you know, I'm really busy. I got meetings. Uh, they'll put their, you know, vice president to go do the talk mm. for them. And I, and I asked them why. They're like, honestly, I was just scared and I could delegate. It's like, ah, okay. But then the other piece too, though, is in this era that we're going into, this is about authenticity. It is about integrity, which you brought up with the, the brands and how they're, you know, you're, you're able to really build that, that following now. Mm-hmm. And with that, it, it is a piece that you need to be the face. Like, there's no better time then right now, it's an, it's an absolute necessity to be the face for your business. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You know, talking about um, being afraid and, uh, and so forth, there must be, when people come to you, come knock on your door, virtually, physically, whatever, pretty much, and there must be key fears that you see across the place um, for people speaking up. What are the sort of, what are the sort of the common fears that you would see that people come on stage and what are some of the methods that are used across it? And I want, and I want to hear, there must be one or two really peculiar fears that you've seen through your time of people on of stage, something, you know, and most that you've gone, that's the only guy that's got that problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's a great question. There's, there's, there are, there are definitely some, some main ones. Yep. Uh, and and the, I'll preface this, that our training is very specialized and different because it's, it's a personal development training mm-hmm. wrapped inside of public speaking. Yep. And that's the first thing. Most public speaking, it's very technical. Like you brought up, you know, Toastmasters earlier, a lot of, of speaking, it's going to be about the content and the, the body posture. And in my experience with, even with TEDx, like it's interesting. I take speakers that are professional speakers, but when the stakes get higher, that's when there's a meltdown. And the meltdown is always mm-hmm. about truly being seen and heard. And so mm-hmm. 
that that's one of the biggest i believe that's a human's greatest fear is that it's good about being truly seen and heard it's easy to do a podcast but is a person opening up mm-hmm. are you truly sharing and, yep. and so when you look at that so the most common fears are uh, fear of saying the wrong thing mm-hmm. especially in today's world yep. you know if i say the wrong thing uh, is that going to be held against me but beneath that is wanting to be liked by the whole audience which and is not going to happen it's never going to happen, but it's this, it's driven by this people pleasing mentality. Mm-hmm. And so in order to overcome that, we need to shift it where it's about saying, okay, actually I want to polarize. Yeah. Like you mentioned, you know, uh, off we were talking about Israel Adesanya mm-hmm. and kickboxing, Israel Adesanya, he's a polarizing character. He totally some is. People, some people love him and they go, oh, he's so, you know, he's amazing. He's authentic. He's unique. And other people are, are especially, you know, uh, New Zealand, it's all yeah. pop syndrome. Look at him. Who does he think he is? He's too flashy. Mm-hmm. Hey, you have to polarize to monetize. And I, I, if there's a listener, you know, checking this episode out, if there's one thing you want to be a confident speaker, it's embrace polarity. Embrace that you will be, in order to, for you to be loved, there's got to be some people that d- dislike you. Otherwise, yeah. you become vanilla and you're commodity and you're out. Yeah, totally. I mean, outside of, I mean, we spoke because uh, I've got obviously Connor in my corner. Um, uh-huh. And outside of that, you can't see above, right above my head on, on the bar at the very top. I've got Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao on the two sides of with gloves up there as well. Uh, box, obviously a big boxing fan myself first before got into MMA a good few years ago. And talking about uh, polarization, being loud, being liked, not liked, Floyd Mayweather. Um, 50% love him. I would say maybe less than that. Love him, and a majority of actually hate him. But it was, but it was his uniqueness and willingness to come out that just printed money for him, and he and he backed it up fundamentally, right? So he wasn't these guys that was talking smack and talking trash and being his flavor, and then he could never back it up. He definitely came out and said, "Hey, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it." And in what you're saying is on the stage. That's the same thing. When you go on stage and talk, and I realized that with my flavor and my style when I showed the podcast, and I've actually said it before on previous episode, not everyone's going to like me. You know, if, if you don't relate to me, I don't give a shit. I don't get offended. There's, so, there's way more other podcasts and content you can go out there and consume. But I'd be, I'd be an idiot to assume that everyone that listens to every single episode is going to like it. I've got some of my closest fans that have been with me from day one. They've gone through every episode and come back to me on certain episodes and go, Lawrence, after 10 minutes, I had to talk it off. That episode was just not for me. And, and they've, they've supported me on every single episode. I can't turn around and, and go, shit, you know, what I do, let me change it. Let me, cha- let me change my story. Let me change my style to try and get that one person back. Because if I get that one person back, I'm going to push these 20 people out the way. Totally. Yeah, that's a great piece. And, and the other piece too is that even with that, maybe that episode's not what they needed to consume that day. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, maybe six months from now, that episode's exactly what they needed. And so that's, you know. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent true on that. Uh, again, taking it back to Gary Vee, um, he's one of his most famous pieces is called the Gary Vee Dollar Aider Strategy. Anyone that understands it, a social media strategy, how to build a social media brand by being very smart, been very cost effective, almost no cost, and how you can do it. Now, someone that is not prepared for it on the day of actually listening to it won't relate to it. But so many people that I've introduced to them to it, when they're right, they went back, and I think he released it. Could have been 2019, could have been end of 2018 released it. You can still find it on any of his podcasts. It's called Dollar Aid Strategy. And as soon as they're ready for it, 
it's life changing. And, and that's what you said, they might not need it at this moment, but when it is relatable, it's still there. Okay. Absolutely. So yeah, even like top fears, I think for people are one, wanting to be liked by everybody. Yes. That's, that's a big one. Uh, the, the second one would be top fears are, are, you know, again, saying the wrong thing, but also changing your mind. That's a big one. And so mm-hmm. since we're on the topic of Gary Vee, I, I, I put out a video last week about that mm-hmm. because one of the biggest thing is, especially with people putting themselves in video, they go, well, what if I change my mind or then, then I lose all credibility. Often mm-hmm. this comes down to a fear of putting yourself out there because maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe it's going to hurt my reputation, my credibility. Gary Vaynerchuk, he built up. I've been a follower of his since 2010. Yeah. I, I said to somebody the other day, I'm like, I would take a bullet for Gary V because, <laughs> because when I was starting off, I was in my parents' basement out of the mental hospital. I started mm-hmm. this blog called Level Up Living which the blog was just detailing my, my turnaround because I thought when I was struggling, I thought I was the only person on the planet with anxiety and panic attacks. And then I, I found, I go through the group trainings and there's all these other people like, Oh my God, there's a lot of other people that are yeah. struggling. And I'm sharing my message so that if you feel that way, you don't feel isolated. You mm-hmm. don't feel alone. Cool. But Gary Vanchuk gets out there and he, his whole thing is about hustle and yeah. he was, well, the reason is he, his whole thing is if you have a good message, people will hear it. But his whole thing was hustle. He built this whole thing up, hustle 24 seven, come home, work, kiss, you know, have dinner, kiss the kids, good night, nine o'clock till two in the morning. That was his narrative for years. Mm-hmm. And then he switched recently to self-awareness to yeah. maybe you don't want to buy the jets. Maybe you don't want to be really, <laughs> maybe you want a lifestyle business. You, you got to do what's you. Nobody's looking at it going, whoa, Gary, you built your whole business on a hustle. What happened? Yeah he evolved and you evolved and you're allowed to change your, your opinion because you're speaking your truth at that time. That's all it is. I've, I've actually spoken about that on the show before. Um, uh, one of my, a lot of my close friends are massive Gary V fans. And I called and I said to one of the guys as well, and I said, Hey, what's your opinion on? Cause I've seen him year to year. I've seen him at keynotes in Auckland when he's been in the last few years, uh, either crewing or actually being a, being a participant. And being able to stand, I actually, got, I was lucky enough to stand up and ask him a question in live on stage. And I said, you know, last year he said A, this year he's saying B, and that's not the same story. What's going on? He seems, and I, my question was to the person I was, I was talking to was, does it feel that he's just flicking the coin to make it where it's working, how society's working at the moment? That he's sort of catching up. And uh, as you said, and uh, as my friend said as well, He's evolving to what the marketplace requires at the moment. So he's evolving to the marketplace. And, but he also acknowledges going, hey, I said this then. That worked at that moment. That can still work right now. But the most important thing right now is not that component. It's obviously uh, you know, looking after yourself. Same example where we are in with um, COVID-19 at the moment. He's not going to tell you hustle life. He's not going to teach you about mug life at the moment because you can't do anything about mug life at the moment, right? To anyone that doesn't understand it, go Google mug life, Gary V, and it's quite an interesting and fun story. I do love it. Um, but yeah, so it'll be different to the situation and timing of what actually the message that needs to be said. And I, I totally understand with what you're saying about saying the changing the story on stage. I sometimes go through a uh, podcast episode and when I listen back to it, I go, I started saying one thing and ended saying another thing. And you, you have almost a conflict with yourself going, uh, shit, 
should I should I maybe hold it back? Should I maybe not release it? Because I almost seem to have contradicted myself, and I'm, I've never to this date never put an episode out that I've recorded. You you never. I've never on. not put an episode oh, out. Okay, good, good, yeah, sorry. Good. <laughs> <laughs> I, saw, I, saw, I saw a bunch on there. <laughs> no, no, sorry. It um, would have been my wording. I've never not put something out that I've recorded yeah. because I worried of that I contradicted myself. Hey, the context around it could be different. I mean, mm-hmm. you could say the same message time and time. It's funny, even with my business coach, I asked him, uh, he had an event coming up and I've been to this event probably five times. And I'm like, Hey, should, do I need to go? And he goes, yeah, why wouldn't you go? Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, cause I've been there five times already. And he mm-hmm. goes, I know, but maybe this time you'll actually implement. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm like I'll, I'll see you there. I'll see you there. Cause he goes, you know, I, I, it's funny. He goes, I give out million dollar secrets all the time. Just nobody's listening. Like they're not, they're not yeah, truth bombs. Yeah. It's like, all right, but yeah. it's when you're ready for it. Uh, uh, again, uh, I have to laugh on that one. I'm a big Tony Robbins fan as well. Uh, been to his events, uh, crewed at his events. And I still to this day um, would be a, once a month the wife turns around to me because she knows I've followed him as, since a teenager. And, you know, last year when I crewed in Sydney, I was able to get some time around him uh, and so forth. And she still says, I'm still waiting for you to implement the stuff he's taught you, right? I'm still waiting for you to implement it. And I've got, I, when I go back, it was times of like, okay, come on, I'm going to implement this. I'm going to put this into place. This is what he says. I'm going to do it. And then after all, I'm like, no, nah, fuck it, it, it. I love it, but some of it's not me. And some of it's, you know, not my style and stuff like that. So she still jokes in it. And I totally understand that thing of come back, come back, and come back, you know, come back to the event, come back to the event. Because at some stage, it'll click and you'll put it in. Well, exactly. And, and you know, just find what's one thing that you can implement on that path right now. And, you know, I got a whole list of things I need to do. And, I find that if there's too many, I, I just won't do anything. Mm-hmm. Chunk it down. Start with something. Bite size, right? Um, I was still talking to someone the other day about the perfect game of chess is done one move at a time. Mm. Right? And people forget that to get to the winning, the end, the state they want to be in, they want to they get to that state. But to get that state, there's a hundred small moves that has to happen beforehand. And not every one of them when you move, you're winning. Sometimes you've got to give up a piece. Sometimes you've got to lose a piece. Sometimes you lose multiple pieces because something happened that you weren't planning on. But again, to have the perfect game of chess, it's one piece at a time. Absolutely. I love it. So you're talking about top fears, obviously, and changing your story um, going on there um, and so forth. Anything else that you want to add on to that? You know, it's interesting with it because people come in and they want to they want to look good on stage mm-hmm. and they want to look good. So now I'm, I'm pivoting my whole, it's interesting. I've had this domain confident on video for three years now and not being able to do live events. Yeah. Going firstly, I think the world has, I mean, obviously the world hasn't conspired just for me. There's a globe, <laughs> but for me, how I'm sitting with it is like, okay, I legitimately have no other option except to launch this course because yeah. I can't do anything and I still want to help people. Mm-hmm. But I also feel that video use is skyrocketing. So I'm actually launching Confident on Video uh, within the next two weeks because yeah. I got nothing else to do and I still you know, need to, and it's something that I've been wanting to do. But even with that, the, the fears come up is, this is an inside out. So people want to shine on stage and, and that's a piece that I feel is overlooked by a lot of people, even in my industry, because they're looking at it from the tactical side, mm-hmm. and not the personal development side. 
a person, they come into my training, I go, look, you know what you do. I'm not here to tell you what you do. I can help craft your message. Yeah. Absolutely. But this is about you giving yourself permission to be seen. Okay, so let's go down that. If a person's not fully allowing themselves to be seen and heard, why? Well, there's fears. They built up the armor because it's this, it's this battle of safety. And yep. so a lot of people, it, you know, they beat themselves up going, I know I should be launching a podcast, putting yep. myself out more on social media. I should be doing all these things, but I'm not. It's like, first, you have to acknowledge that your protective systems are in there to survive. Mm -hmm. And the body's response is that it is dangerous. You put yourself out there. There's going to be YouTube trolls. There's mm -hmm. going to be judgment. There's going to be an opportunity to not do well, to have mistakes. And they're going to be public and seen. And on video, they'll be recorded. But this is, it always comes back to this, Lawrence, and, and this is a piece, it's rejection or regrets. And I, I feel that's the biggest thing people need to look at is you're either going to face your fear of rejection and you will be rejected, yep. but the alternative is you're going to have a lifetime of regrets. And so we have to frame it. And that's why it's, this is all about personal development. And the biggest piece to it though, is that this is about taming your inner critic. Yep. If there's anything that happens in that training, that's, that's the most powerful it's when we can turn it from, because my clients, we put them on video and then they watch the videos. I go, what do you see? First thing, I don't like the way I looked. I don't like this. I don't mm -hmm. they have a laundry list, everything they hate. I go, okay, what did you like? Ooh, that's a tough question. <laughs> yeah, the laundry list. So we need to change that because ultimately nobody's coming up to you saying, don't get on stage, you know, aside from the government right now. Yeah. But nobody's saying, don't get on stage. Nobody's saying, don't share your message on video. Mm -hmm. Nobody's saying, don't play a bigger game. It's, it's all a self-imposed limit. And there's cultural pieces, there's upbringing, there's family pieces you need to navigate through. But ultimately, we are the only person that's stopping us from playing that bigger game. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, we have to acknowledge, okay, why, what protection is this providing? And then how can I move forward with self-love? And when we start turning that inner critic around, like you mentioned, you got Connor there, Coach Kavanaugh, his coach. Yep. I love it that he says, he goes, we don't lose, we win and we learn. Yeah. Right. When are we learn? And I, I love that. I bring that into my training because I go, look, you're going to do a video. You're going to do a talk. You're going to do a podcast. What did you win? And what did you learn? Mm -hmm. yeah, I love that. And I can imagine it's a similar as well. We've seen some clients on social media, um, not just, you know, there's not just standing up on stage and doing speaking. People forget. And as you said earlier, this year, right here is pretty much a platform, um, to the rest of the world. I do a live video today or I do a video or you do a live video and you've got 20 people looking either live or replay. That is you doing a speech. That is you doing a public announcement to 20 people. It's the same thing. And I can imagine people feel not as stressed and anxiety about it, but still have those same challenges going, how should I speak on social media? How should I come across on social media? What happens if no one watches my video? Yeah. But, you know, uh, but it's again, it's something like, you see with a lot of the guys that put out mass content or mass quality content, it comes to a point where finally something ticks and the public accept them and they get bigger. And everything they produced up to that point was to them, they went, oh, nothing's working. Nothing's working. Nothing's working. I've done a thousand pieces of content. I've done my idiotic Gary V do 70 pieces of content a day. No, yeah. I'm not doing that. Fuck, no one's got that time. All the team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's that one point of that pivot point, then it finally works and it takes off. But you've got to have all those experiences beforehand. Yeah, this this all comes back to you mentioned with the comedians. It's 
Joe Rogan, all these comedians, you know, Bert, all these guys, they've had to grind in obscurity. It, it's, it's the same pattern. It's all the 10 year overnight success. Yeah. It's, it's the same. And I don't know. Have you, have you, I watched Joe Rogan's first podcast the other day. <laughs> Cause I want he looks That's... like a caveman that just discovered fire. He's there like, how's oh, this work? I am. Um... I spent last year as part of research and part of my journey in the podcast. I listened to the first 200 episodes. Wow. Okay. I went back to episode one and yeah. I did the first 200 episodes. And let's just say that it was interesting. <laughs> but yeah, getting over the whole point of like caveman fire with Joe Rogan, that's, that's quite funny as he, as he believes he's one part ape and caveman. And <laughs> he always says he does believe someone in his family, ha- you know, was the last person to try it out with an ape. But um, once, why I love doing that with him and where it's similar going back to Gary V's, their foresight is always three to five years ahead. Mm-hmm. So listening to sort of Joe Rogan five years ago is fully relatable in today's time with some of the stuff. So anyone that goes and listens to his new podcast, he's talking to guys that are breaking the niche, breaking the mold, ahead of the game. But a lot of it they're talking about is, you know, what's happening in 2025, what's happening in 2030. Some of it's you can sometimes struggle to be relatable at this moment. So sort of three or five years ago, listen to that content, you go, oh, yeah, cool. That is totally relatable because it has now, it's the timing has caught. So some of this stuff was really nice. And, you know, and it was great because the iPhone 1 just came out. Um, and the Samsung, or the iPhone 1, iPhone 2, I think was come out in the first couple of years. And, he, and, he, and I had to laugh and you listen going, oh my God, the new phone came out and the, the, the bigger camera and what can I do with it? And, and all these learnings and evolution of it when you've, you know, it's, it's quite funny. Oh my gosh. So, you know, speak, you're right. It's, it's speaking of the evolution too. I wanted to ask you, like, how did you get into this? And 2019, I want to know about <laughs> Oh, Lucas, Lucas is bugging my 2019. So let's, how did I get into this? Uh, so I'll get into the first thing. So I've always had a knack, um, people either agree or disagree. I've always had a knack of being able to have uh, conversations with most people in different areas or niches. It's, it's a skill I've had for years. Being a sort of person that I've always consumed content or learned. So I, I know a lot of, I know a little about a lot, but I don't know a lot about, you know, specific areas so if i come in front of a, a small business owner or anyone that's running a shop or cafe or different type of niche i can always handle conversations in that and i've had the confidence to be able to do that since since a young age so for the last couple of years i've been considering i should have started a podcast um obviously being a big joe rogan fan consume a lot of content and i finally got to a stage um i was part of a previous brand before this for uh, four guys uh, one of the guys actually got his own podcast now as well and i did a couple of interviews as part of that brand to get some content out to it. and i said hold on this actually works i can do this and, and launch it and in february I've just passed my one-year birthday for the podcast in february last year i finally went live and i said okay i'll give this a go i'll give it 12 months uh, realistic, see what happens from it. Uh, go out there at that stage. I knew a handful of people in my network circle that would be willing to come on the show. And it slowly just took one step off the other step. Uh, not sometimes the easiest steps. Uh, you learn quickly how much time it takes if you're going to be pedantic on your editing, how much time it's going to take to edit the audio. And and I used to say that for every one hour of content I produce, I had four hours of editing. Um, so it became a timely fitting it in and then how much do you push your brand into someone else? So it's like any, any entrepreneur would understand this, you start up a brand, 
how much can you push it in front of your family? How many can you push in front of your friends and stuff like that? So the first 90 days was pretty much that. But then I said, no, I needed to let it board itself. I need my brand, you know, to go out and board it. And slowly things started happening. And I slowly, you know, I got ranked within, uh, I think, in the first 90 days. I got ranked in the first couple of countries, New Zealand, Australia. I got myself into America, into Canada, uh, top 200 ranked on iTunes. Um, as you said earlier, I got um, outranked Gary Vee in the Philippines for seven days um, at the end of the year, um, which was, to, for my brand, it was uh, spectacular. It was crazy. Um, it was amazing how many people then reached out to me and said, hey, I want to be on your show. <laughs> um, but it was, but one thing to me, a big thing about the podcast as well, and it's something we spoke about off air was, I didn't start the podcast because I wanted to stand you and talk. I didn't start the podcast because I want to stand here and, you know, ramble on and so forth as I'm doing a little bit now um, as on my side is I wanted to give it a platform for people that have a message or have a journey or have something that's special to the public for them to come and have their say. So that's why if you listen to 95% of every of my episodes, there is always a, a dark moment, a challenging moment a real truth bomb uh, uh, and so forth because it's relatable to our public and everyone has gone through some of the journeys, suicide, depression, alcoholism, um, bankruptcy. Uh, uh, you know, there's been so many moments of, of that and that's so common in our society. Mental health, big one as well, especially in New Zealand, mental health, um, that we're not publicly talking about it and that's where the space is for me to allow people in my niche, entrepreneurship, uh, to come and have this say in that space. That's so good. And I, I love that, that it was, you know, committing to this mm -hmm. and making that practice because that's, that really, you know, that, that's, I think, obviously I, I always look at things to relate to public speaking where it's a skill. Like people think that you're either born with it or not. No, it's, it's somebody who's committed the time and has taken the action, whether it be yeah. the podcast like you've yeah. done or whatever it is. It's like, well, you could accomplish, I mean, it's cliche, but you could accomplish anything, but it's true. It's if you commit the time and the effort to it and you don't give up at that first sign of rejection mm -hmm. or the, you know, the negative feedback, if you're able to just continue on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like to anyone that's starting or thinking about podcasts or in the same as you seem to what speaking and so forth, my first couple of weeks, first couple of months, I would have done less than a hundred downloads a week. Sure. Uh, you know, so to some people now, that's that's that would be great to them. But to me, I felt like, hold on, 100 downloads a week, that's like 10 downloads a day. That's not a lot. But it was learning what was working at that stage and then moving forward, but also not being too pedantic about that because I knew that it was going to take time. I knew it could take three months. I knew it could take six months. It could take nine months for me to fine-tune what I can do and also to learn more content and consume more content so I could handle conversations better. So I go back to my first couple of episodes myself and I do it uh, occasionally and I just go back and go, damn, I was like, that was, that, that was painful for me to listen to, let alone if I'm going to push that in front of an audience, not, not because of who's on the show. Look at my guests have been amazing, every single one of them, but how I handled it and I spoke and uh, the, the moments uh, of not providing either clarity, the moments of speaking over people, um, being South African, we speak very fast as well. So there's not a lot of breaks and pauses. And I've been told, well, multiple people slow down. So it's learning all of those stuff to get your finished product to where you are today to be able to handle a conversation and uh, in the style that I want to do it. Yeah. 
and so with that, I also hear that it's about being able to look at those. That's something I've been doing this for nine years. <laughs> every year I've actually given up. Every year I look back at my year's talks mm. before and I'm like, Oh my God, I can't believe I put that out there. It's like, well, <laughs> I'm like, now I've stopped yeah. with it looking, going like, I'm not surprised anymore, mm-hmm. but it's, piece is just looking at his evolution like a video game it's just we're moving up levels and it's like okay that was the best i could do then and you know you learn and you grow and, yeah. and that's you move forward so uh, yeah 2019 what, what what happened there what, what's what you're doing a podcast <laughs> i want to know i want to move oh again. so yeah yeah. So Lucas has obviously done his research on myself. He's brought up quite a few points that you could only find if you went down um, the content um, holes down um, in my brain in the last 12 months. So 2019, um, to a lot of people, obviously, um, anyone that's been on my social brand sort of in the last, uh, what would be the last six or eight weeks, there was a bit of a public, a public announcement post um, done recently about myself. And what it's pretty much... I came out and said was that as much as everyone sees me publicly is doing this out there in the world, always looking good. There's a lot of stuff that people don't know specifically around 2019 that has happened to me in my private life. And it's getting to the stage of, but I've got to publicly talk about it because I can't have two faces. I can't have a social media face. And at home, I have a, a, a total different personal face, especially because the wife usually turns around and goes, I fucking hate it because you put out this perfect face to the real world and everyone loves you and everyone supports you and then at home you're an absolute fucking dick, right? Because of, of unfortunately, because of uh, problems that I have. But what happened in 2019 to a lot of people that um, want to wear is that in April 2019, due to some blood tests I'd done beginning part of the year, just not feeling well and went in in 2019, the, uh, we found out that I had a golf ball sized brain tumor, um, unbeknownst to me, and it'd been grown for at least they reckon they thought about 10 years this thing had been grown. Um, April, they confirmed it, um, diagnosed it in May, they confirmed I would have to go under surgery. Um, and I went under surgery on the 26th of June 2019 on my 35th birthday. It was a birthday present to me to go and undergo brain surgery to remove this uh, fucker out of my head. Um, at that stage, obviously it was 60, it was less than 90 days of going, Hey, something's up to actually going under the knife, uh, realization that it's quite large. It was sitting on my optic nerve and encased my pituitary gland to anyone who knows that it's sitting right behind my optic nerve underneath. It had grown to such an extent that I'd lost 30% of my sight at that stage without realizing it. Uh, my sight had totally enclosed. Um, I couldn't see anything. Uh, most perif- most people's peripherals, if you put your arms out on your shoulders, you can see your hands on your peripheral and even sometimes further back. If you did about a third of the movement forward with your arm, that was as far as I could see uh, within that. So sort of things started making sense, like why I kept walking into walls, why I kept knocking my shoulders, uh, going into places. I always just assumed because I'm South African and I'm a large mammal. Um, and a big boy, I, I knock into stuff. Um, why my neck was always sore a lot at that stage, it's because I had to overturn to actually see things because my sight had disappeared. Um, and it also made sense that as part of the blood tests and the tumor being on top of the pituitary, which controls hormones. So any female fan, any female fans listening or totally, you know, you, you ladies know what goes on with hormones. Us guys, we never get fucking taught what a hormone is, how it controls, what it does to your body. So, why I was up and down, why my, my levels, my, uh, my happiness, you know, my emotional state was up and down because this was triggering on that as well. 
And as part of the surgery, lucky enough, it was just, oh, it was a success. Obviously, I'm sitting right here, is they could remove it, but they also had to remove the pituitary gland because um, it totally encased it, which meant from that moment for the rest of my life, my body cannot regulate or produce any natural hormones. So my I'm under hormone therapy for life. Um, I've got to learn. I to I had to learn. I still got to learn. I've got to take medication every day. I've got to pay attention to my body. Again, like I said, females will be going, bitch, please. I go through that every day, um, paying attention to my body and my hormones. But uh, yeah, it's uh, sort of a, a hard thing to learn of going. Is my energy ever levels right? Uh, how does my body handle it? Um, for example, one of the uh, hormones your body produces is cortisol. Um, that's your sort of fight or flight if you get into accidents and so forth. Any sports star, fighters will know cortisol in the knee, usually cortisol in the back. I've got to take medication every single day for that because if I get in a car accident um, and I don't get medical uh, intervention immediately, my body could shut down within 24 hours because there's, there's not enough cortisol in my body. Just as an example, um, to anyone that's on the video at the moment, I've got a half-completed tattoo on my forearm. I went in four hours to my tattoo. I had to leave because my body went into shock because my body couldn't produce enough hormones to fight me having a tattoo even though I took my medication. So those are sort of the, uh, the, learning, the, the, the physical uh, repercussions of me going through uh, the situation in 2019. Um, on top of that, there's obviously the emotional state of it, the realization of it. Um, going into 26th of June, there was moments I had, you know, the hardest moments ever is I just sit down with my wife and look at her and go, what do you want to do if I don't come out? What do you want to do if, yeah, if I'm paralyzed? What do you want to do if I lose some sort of functionality? And we had to sit down honestly and look at each other and go, here's 20 scenarios that could happen out of this. What is your understanding of how we're going to handle all 20 of those? And it's, it's something you never want to go through or you never want to really experience it um, because it puts a lot of things into perspective. And it puts a lot of things into perspective at that moment but I think I was still so focused on the surgery that took me months and months almost to now to realize that perspective of what is actually important, what I need to focus on, what I need to become as a person. And, um, you know, going through the time, going to the surgery, taking 90 days to recover from the surgery, um, I was still put on the front. So anyone, anyone that goes through my history, I did a recording two weeks before surgery. I did a recording two weeks after surgery. Um, and none of those episodes ever spoke about it. I think very few of them publicly mentioned at all coming into September, October. I went to Tony Robbins uh, five weeks after surgery, did five days on my feet, 20 hours a day to crew after surgery, still recovering, not being 100%, and a lot of people there didn't even realize it. And it's, it, it was more in the sense of I felt almost that it was my story. I, I'm not that special. I'm not, I'm not that unique. People don't need to realize it. And it's finally caught up in the sense of, Doing it that way for me was not necessarily the best way because I was hiding one level. I was hiding. I was always hiding it from the public eye. I was. I would be good, yeah, and then when I came home, I would be in, either in a bad emotional state. I'd be tired. I'd be way fucking cranky because of my uh, my hormone levels would be off depending on where I am. So I'd get. I'll do a lot of shit at home. It wouldn't be fair on my family or very close friends. 
And it got to the stage where I just got to go, enough's enough. I've got to tell people and say, hey, I am not fine all the time. I am not perfect all the time. Um, there's moments, uh, there are days when I can't get out of bed. Uh, there's moments you do not want to be around me. I'm not the most pleasant person in the world, um, but that is part of it. And that's what I'm trying to evolve now more into my public brand or my public image, not to say a, a, the brand, but so that people can be more realistic and see more who I am as an individual. Oh, well, th thank you for sharing that, Lawrence. I, <laughs> I really, I want to acknowledge you before that because yes. I mean, with, with what I do, this is, this is the, you know, I, I hear that and this is something that commonly comes up where it's the conflict between, you know, who you are and who you put out there in the world. Yeah. And, and the, the problem is that a person's not, you cannot be in your full power because, and for myself, when I spent 15 years hiding, mm -hmm. the fear was I didn't want people to see the side of me. For My story was I didn't, I felt like I was, uh, I didn't stack up to everybody else yep. because I'd be in wrestling practice and I'm the one guy that's running out because I'm thinking I'm dying. And I look mm -hmm. back and I'm like, there's 60 guys in there. Nobody's yeah. running out of me. So the narrative was that I'm not good enough. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, one thing that I consistently see and, and I, I invite you to is that the story that you're afraid to tell is the one you need to tell yeah. because this, you know, we're, we're on a, we're on a trajectory now as a society that, we people aren't they can't hide anymore Authentic, authenticity wins and that story yeah that's what connects with people uh, i totally does and I, I and i was pushed i was pushed for time period and i was i was actually at an internal conflict because as i said i started the brand to give opportunity to other people yeah. and then through the portion of my brand was through with the first three to six months i got to a moment going but hold on i've got a story now and it's and it's always sort of been, again, there's a lot of stuff that you would have seen, Lucas, is sort of a self diagnosis I'm not that special and not, I'm not that unique. So people don't need my, they don't need my story. They don't need what I'm offering out there because the people that I have, like yourself and anyone else in the story, they've got a better story to tell and a more unique story and a more relatable story. And it's sort of so having to tell myself sometimes, stop with that bullshit. Everyone has a story. It might just only relate to a certain portion of the people that's out there, but everyone will, some, some people relate to it. And you've got to give the opportunity to have it say and then see who relates to it. It might not be the realization to me, it might not be that every single episode I come out and say, hey, there's my story, bang, bang, bang. It's going to, people are going to get sick and tired about it, but it's sort of, it might be relatable in certain portions to bring it in uh, and the quality in, uh, you know, going through and the moments of going through, like I said, of, Realizing, you know, thinking about your life, realistically thinking about your life at that moment of, am I going to be alive? Am I going to be dead? Um, and having to have that judgment call going, what happens if that happens to me? And then having the realization um, onto my family. And a lot of it took longer for me to, to light bulb moments. Some of the stuff, some of it only just happened now recently in the beginning part of the year because I kept always having that front up there. So and which was the problem towards my family. So my wife and my, like I said, family friends would have gone through so much more pain, grief, and not and hardship because my will, my lack of willingness to actually go, hey, I want to show has been vulnerable. You know, a lot of people in my workplace won't be aware of it. A lot of people in my 
circles won't be aware of it. And it's been oh, it's nine months already. And it's now going, hey, enough is enough. This is part of who I am. This is part of what's changed me because from here, this moment forward, I'm never going to be the same. I'm, I, I can actually physically never be the same. So I've got to take that on and grow with that strength. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so even with that, though, you sharing that story, there is people, obviously, I've, I've never had a brain tumor, so I can't relate to that. <laughs> but even with TEDx, when I when I work with people at that level, it's this comes up all the time, they'll say they'll share their story. And one of the fears is, well, other people can't relate to this. I go true, but there's pieces in there. So for yep. example, you mentioned the hormone piece. I remember for me, something which is very minor, but with the panic attacks, and anxiety, I, I had adrenal fatigue twice yep. and I burnt out. And I went to the doctor because I was, my energy levels were off. I was not motivated. I wasn't getting out of bed. And I was thinking, you know, what's, what's wrong with me? I have this business that, you know, I'm doing my passion, but I, yep. there, a lot of shame and guilt kept up. I should be appreciative of it. But I'm like, I don't have any jump. And mm -hmm. when I got some tests done and they're like, your thyroid is, it's not working. It's, yeah. I don't, so I had to get uh, Synthroid. Mm -hmm. and, and I went in and saw the endocrinologist and she's like, okay, this is this, that, and you'll be honest for the rest of your life. For me, something very simple. She's like, you take supplements every day. It's just another pill. Yep. But it was the, for me, it was the, there was shame. I said to him like, look, like, what did I do wrong? Like, what, mm -hmm. what, what, what mistake? She's like, you didn't make a mistake. You did nothing. Yep. You didn't do it. It's just, this is what happened. Mm -hmm. And I had such a struggle with it. I'm like, okay, well, how can I, what change do I need to make to get over this, to not yep. take it? And, and she's like, why are you so hesitant? It's, it's one pill. And, and for me, it was this feeling of weak. It brought up fears for me. And so you sharing that story about your brain, tumor, it brought up the story for me, which was with the Synthroid and the shame. Yep. But also in that one, it's about direct conversations with mm -hmm. friends and family, authenticity, yep. you know, speaking your truth. And so even with you bringing up your story, there's so many levels to your listeners being able to get massive value from it. And I hope, and, and I hope so, because uh, definitely, you know, part of you know my one year journey to year with the podcast has been the Wolf of Queen Street, the podcast, right? To anyone that knows Wolf of Queen Street, to anyone that has looked at my social media in the last couple of months, it's been more of a drive of Lawrence Lots. It doesn't mean that the uh, the podcast is changing or name the, the the podcast name will always be there, but I've been pushed by some mentors and myself to sort of step out of the podcast and be my individual above it. Be the brand, be be the Gary Vee, right? Gary Vee is Gary Vee. He has a hundred companies underneath him, Tony Robbins, all those guys. But I need to be Lawrence Lotz uh, and come out and have the say and you know and speak, as you said, truthfully about the story and, and everything that's come forward. And this is sort of that that stepping stone of going to. And funny enough, we spoke again off air about it is in May, unfortunately, it's been postponed, but it was going to be my first speaking gig. So that was going to be my first outside of the podcast of me publicly coming out and going, here's actually who I am now. Here's the truth at that moment um, and, and to take it forward. And I'm excited for you to do that because, again, when I, when I, when I work with people, you know, at the deepest level, it's about an individual seeing that they're good enough. Mm -hmm. and, and it's all an inside game. Yep. So for you to get up there, it's you stepping up and going, I'm okay to be seen. And the other piece to that is that I deserve to be seen and that my message matters. Mm -hmm. And when that starts lining up, it's, it takes a lot of resistance. There's a lot of shit, tall poppy syndrome, comparison mm -hmm. crap, who am I, uh, a lot of upbringing pieces, yep. a, lot of, a lot of school 
you know, you spoke when you were in school and somebody made fun of you and this association that, that it's dangerous to speak, that it's not comfortable, but this is bullshit because I don't have kids. I have two young nieces, Mm -hmm. but anybody that has children, we come into this world fully self-expressed and then we're shut down. We're shut down by parents. We're shut down by school and we lose that, that self-expression. And so that's the whole journey. When people come into the training program, I go, look, this is about, because this is a top request for people. They come in, they go, I want you to help me find my voice. I go, this isn't about you finding your voice. This is about you reclaiming your voice. Yeah. And in order to reclaim your voice, you have to go inside and see that you are worth it, that what you say matters. I, I had a TEDx talk. It was going to be May 9th in Vegas, and that got postponed. Mm-hmm. But that, the whole talk is about speaking your truth. Because when a person doesn't speak their truth or show up authentically, one, and, and I did this for 15 years, hiding, going, what's the armor up, right? Yeah. You got armor up and be very mindful of what you're putting out because, but it's all based on fear. And then your, your, your mind, it's always focused. It's, it's operating, you know, people, they're not playing to win. They're playing not to lose. Yeah. Totally. But, but it's the ultimate loss because you're denying your authenticity. You're denying your truth. And that's the, I, I feel, you know, for anything, that's my whole mission for this world now. It's, I've got clear with it. It's people to speak their truth because when they speak their truth, that's when you're able to really live the life. And I really, even with what you mentioned with your, you know, your wife sitting down and talking about those scenarios, I mean, that must have been incredibly difficult to do. But imagine if you didn't and something went sideways during your surgery. Yep. Like your wife, maybe she wouldn't know how to react or mm-hmm. how to act. And, and then the uncertainty, did I make a mistake? Because you didn't have that, that direct conversation that needed to happen. I totally agree with that. You know, uh, I look at, uh, you know, interesting times. I look at it and I always think back and I think it's still it's something that we never just move away from. And I look back and think through and, what can do different but it's uh, i just make sure i think about it to help me evolve I, I got to the moment now and to anyone that's listening about when you get into a story and going through and you can to anyone that knows me will understand i'm thinking through a lot at the moment as i'm talking because i haven't spoken about this publicly enough so it's not as fine-tuned as it is if i'm just having a conversation but anyone that's sort of working through a similar challenge of not knowing that firstly they've gone through something haven't spoken about it publicly have that whole uh denial of wanting to say hey it's special to talk about it just just reach out to actually just one person and talk about it you know i found i've just been able to sit down with one person and say hey it's my story and then that one person goes hey that you know that's what are you worried about why are you worried about and that's sort of that first that first support that goes cool the door's a little open right and then and then keep going through it and keep going through it and keep going through it because i think the biggest fear is that sort of hey when i do it i've got to do it to everyone and right. and 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 that's the sort of challenge so to anyone that's sitting there you know and anyone at your mental health especially um if you have or depression anxiety uh um, you're not sure at this time of the life just reach out to a close reach out to someone that you know you can talk to honestly sometimes that might not be your, they might not be your closest friend because the closest friend if they are a good friend, they'll take a bet to anyone that you ask them to. So they'll always support you. They might not give you the honesty. So you got to talk to someone that will give you honesty and support. They could say to you, hey, you know, you're over-exaggerating, you, you, you know, 
you don't worry about that, but also fundamentally is giving you the security to support you and go to that person and then take it one step, next step. Remember the chessboard, one move at a time and it will allow you to then have the realization of I can, I can let it go. I can let go of that stress. I can let go of that anxiety. That's, that's brilliant advice. And it's so needed. That that's a great point that you mentioned there, because people are afraid. You may not believe this, but it's funny when I when I started. So I come out of the mental hospital, and mm-hmm. I wasn't locked away. Some people are like, oh, you're locked away. Actually, two things. I'm gonna share two things quickly. One is my first talk I ever did. It was to a, a nursing. It was a group of nursing students, mm-hmm. and I get up there, and it's a one hour talk. And the professor, I go like, what do you want me to say? She's like, oh, you'll be fine. Just get up there, and you know, you'll you'll be okay. I'm like, no, I'm like, I really don't know what to say. Like, I, I just, go, I'll just go up there and share experiences. Lawrence, I go up there. I'm fucking rambling for an hour about my story. <laughs> it's like all over, because I've yeah. never done this before. Yeah. And it goes to Q&A. And the first question comes up. It's this nursing student, probably in her early 20s. And she goes, now that you're back in regular society, how does it feel? And I'm like, what do you mean now that I'm reg- what, what are you talking about, <laughs> regular society? She's like, you know, now that you're back. I was so nervous giving my talk that she thought I'd been locked away in a mental institution. And this is part of my reintegration. It's like go to school. And, and Lord, I'm telling you, I was, I was absolutely crushed because I had this dream to share my message mm-hmm. and to share my story and allow people to know that you don't feel alone and you know, it, it, like take that shame away and give yourself permission to speak the truth. And the feedback I'm getting is that I've been locked away in a mental institution. And I sat in my car and I cried because I, there were so many people saying that, like, it's crazy. You don't have any background in starting this type of business. You know, you don't have qualifications. Yeah. You're not a psychiatrist. You're not a psychologist. And every one of those, those voices was in my head. I just broke down in tears. And it was in that moment I realized that I need to get a mentor to help me or just give up on this. Mm-hmm. And, and a week after that, I went to an event. Somebody spoke. Uh, you know, here's the thing. It's a business coach. I've been with him now for seven years. It was his personal story about losing his father. Yeah. I'm like, I'm working with this guy. Mm-hmm. And so that's, if anybody's out there and they're afraid, if you're an entrepreneur and you're selling your, your services, your products, your story is what's going to set you apart. Yep. So that, that's the first thing that I wanted to, because when I, when I did the first time, it was just a disaster. But how I got started to your point about sharing, I started by going online. I went to a website called panicsurvivor.com with a fake name. That's how afraid I was. I created a fake screen name. And I started to share my story on a, a, a website, a blog. And I went on there and, and people started, re, you know, like, oh, wow, I, I relate to that. Mm-hmm. And then I switched. I, start, I changed my name to my real name on this yeah. anonymous blog. And then I started Level Up Living. And then I started sharing and, and telling my first, my close friends and family. And my fear was that they were going to say I was crazy, that I'm fucked up, mm-hmm. that I'd lose everybody. I did not experience that at all. People were saying, what, you know, what, how can I help you? I didn't realize this. Some people were saying things make sense now about how you act, but it was this unburdening because that armor that we wear for protection, it's killing us. Yeah, It's killing us. It's killing our evolution. It's killing our, our, our truth. It's not allowing us to show up fully because our minds always distracted going, Oh, I gotta, I gotta manage the storylines. I gotta manage expectations. I gotta manage how I come across. But the beauty of this, is I had a client recently share. She's like, I, I don't understand. Like, how can you be so open and honest? And I go, look, what's the alternative? Mm-hmm. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to take a message and maybe you don't agree with it or that's okay. But the alternative for me is that I'm going to be guarded and I refuse to be guarded. 
because I've been there. I've had two different lives. Yeah. I, for 50 years, I spent afraid of what people are going to say and showing up, you know, living from fear. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've, I've had a, that life and then that died. And now it's this new life. It's like, I'm going to be me because the other piece too is if I say it first, you can't use it against me. And if there's Correct. anybody that has that out there, it's like, yeah, I own it. This is yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. I've, diffused, I've, I've diffused your ammunition. You can't say anything. Yeah, so that's uh, Eight Mile. If anyone's watched Eight Mile Eminem movie, that's pretty much the, the the winning crux of it. At the end, he comes out publicly, does a rap, and he pretty much raps all the shit that's about himself. So someone else can't use it against himself, right? <laughs> so uh, an old school uh, flashback movie there. But yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, and it's great to see, you know, the evolution that yourself has gone through and the realization that you had there. And, and everything that you've taken in from that moment of standing in front of the nurses, not knowing what you're saying and how you're saying it to where you are today. And, and one of the big points, you either had to get a mentor or you had to move away from it. Again, guys, uh, we, I speak about it all the time, guys and girls, is find someone to support you through your process or your business, whatever you're doing through. And, and in my times, most times, that's a different person for each different area. If you need someone to help you with your business, your financials, taking you to the next level, you need a mentor in that space. If you need someone to ground you, to keep you stable, to keep you mentally sound, you'll need another person in that place. Please do not go to the same person for all of that. That's a fucking crock of shit. No one is a business mentor as well as a life mentor from that point. There's very few people in the world that can do both of those. Um, so be careful around that sort of stuff. But uh, as I look at the moment, it's I think we're 70 minutes in at the moment, Lucas. We'll, we'll go for hours and hours going into this. Just wanting to end it off today. What do you think is sort of something over the next week or two weeks in sort of the uncertainty and the stress and anxiety we find ourselves in today? What is something you can leave the listeners with to think about or put into their place and what they're trying to achieve? You know, with, the, with all the uncertainty that's going on, I, I feel that the one thing to come back to is focusing on your ability to adapt. Mm-hmm. If there's anything, it's, it's that when we live in fear, it's about control. And we're in a situation that we don't control. We don't know what's going to happen, yep. you know, with the lockdown and all in business, everything's up in the air. But look back at your life and all the obstacles and the shit that you've overcome. And the more that you can do that, you're going to build that resilience that this is, about, this is a time where you got to double down on yourself, really self-love, but also that your ability to adapt and you're going to have to pivot. But empires have been built when complete industries have been disrupted. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be, you know, I, I urge people to look at it. Is this an opportunity? Are you looking at it from a challenge or a threat? Yeah. Is it a threat that everything's going to go sideways and you're done? Look at it as a challenge and that you are capable because now more than ever, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to bet on yourself and you're going to have to bet big. And so when you can love yourself and acknowledge everything that you've overcome and focus that you are capable of adapting, you'll be okay. That's awesome. I love that. Thank you so much for that, Lucas. Um, as always, I ask, um, can you let the listeners know where they can find you, social handles, where's the best place? Yeah, go to leveluploving.com to level up your life. Uh, they will be a confident on video course coming up soon. So there'll be a tab on there. Check it out video. But yeah, go there, Instagram, YouTube, um, Facebook, Lucas Matiello. You can find me there. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, uh, Lucas. It's been a, such a great chat and an, an interesting one to have it today uh, to turn it a little bit around on myself. And for me, actually, been 
having a few questions and answers I've got to go through, you know, uh, my side um, as well. So it's it's been a really um, interesting, enjoyed it, um, and thank you so much for your time today. And um, to everyone else on the, the podcast, the Wolf of Queen Street podcast, audio series or YouTube series, once again, thank you for coming over. As I always say on most of my episodes, I don't charge money. I don't, you know, expect anything special. But if there's something that related to you today, there's something that just clicked with you today, all I ask is you share it with someone else and tell them, hey, this might be relatable. This might support you. This might help you through this time of uncertainty, this time of not knowing where your business or your life is going to go next. Because at the end of the day, all we have is each other. And all we can be certain about is the support and the friendship and the people around us. So at the end of the day, stay safe, stay beautiful, stay powerful, and we'll chat to you later.